0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, and uh, joining me tonight is uh, is Brian Brown, the, uh, the the former host of uh, the Football Breakdowns website, which was uh, a wonderful uh, kind of side project that I've been working on over the, the past year-ish. Even though I I have not written anything since July on uh, on purpose, but um, yeah, I mean uh Brian's here because we are making a little bit of a shift from the football breakdowns podcast feed to the end zone podcast podcast feed. And uh, you know, Brian is is a man I, I, I truly enjoy chatting with every week. Uh it was, you know, always kind of a dream of mine to do a little podcasting with him. Uh really since the moment I've I've met him. And then it didn't really wasn't really able to become a concrete reality until about uh it's been over a year yeah and until about a year ago but you know things come up lives change being an adult is hard you know we we we, rss feeds are expensive but uh i keep i'm gonna keep paying a 100 bucks a year for me and uh and uh i'll uh the blog man, the blog's expensive, but you know, I, I, I I'll have to reevaluate the blog when, when I get there this year, maybe I can squeeze my parents one more year of, of and then I can, I can get, get on with, with paying for the blog. But, uh, no, I, long story short, there's going to be a lot more Brian Brown, Brown this feed, And, uh, there's, these shows are going to be a, a lot more, uh, ridiculousness really uh brian has uh, has icebreakers i'm sure we'll talk about non-football things uh I'm, but there will be a heavy focus on football of course uh a lot of focus on the college game uh nationally uh pioneer pigskin obviously you, you've got that sunday mornings for uh in-state stuff sorry about no n- no none of that uh this week i got violently ill uh saturday night for about I, I don't know what it was either a head cold or a, it was like a mix of a head cold and like a 24-hour stomach bug all at once either way i overslept and uh we just didn't end up getting that down so we'll, we'll talk a little bit of college football in the state here today as well as look at you know overall the, the country you know we have a quarter mark basically uh but yeah you know this is what i do brian on on my own podcast seat i just talk and i talk and i talk and i talk forever and uh you have not even said a word yet so i will just say how are you doing sir i'm i'm doing
1: good i was wondering if maybe you uh took a shot to the to the uh the unmentionables like caleb williams did and that was part of what contributed <laughs> to your your illness but um just to to kind of convince things yeah we're seeing i, I we're taking a step back from football breakdown seeing what's going on with that um mentioned life being hard and being an adult is hard and and things cost money and and unfortunately there's not a lot of people uh out there that I should rephrase that there's a lot in this world to pay for (laughs) and that includes making content it also includes uh you know people having to choose what content they want to pay for and uh You know the good news is is that places like google and spotify you know they're they're making all that money off of uh the hard hard work of us baby podcasters but um i don't know where i got down that road other than just i'm excited to be on the end zone pod i know a lot about the end zone pod because i am a regular listener um and really, I I'm actually kind of excited for. We we were talking earlier, and you're like, I'm not a big segments guy, and I said, yeah, I come to notice that. <laughs> and like segments are are my thing, right? Like I'm all about building segments, and 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 what's the angle, and what's the approach, and everything like that. And it's I think it's gonna be fun to kind of take a step back and just uh here's the, here's a here's a segment idea, talk.
0: That's yeah, it. yeah. Sometimes you're just talking for a while, you kind of stumble on. <laughs> Onto some things, and uh, yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a nice, nice little uh, little mix of uh, of, yeah, of things base. of of, of, uh, of things going on. So I did think I do, you know, I have some graphic designer friends, you know, I I, I kind of like some maybe a, a logo for this uh, at some point. But I was thinking about some names, and I think I came down to one. Let me let me give you the bad ones first. I thought maybe we could call it like the bear cave or something like that. But then I thought, no, two bears, one cave, you know, but, but, but Bert, it was just too close to that. I wouldn't um, think
1: Bert and, uh, Bert and uh, Tom, you know, getting mistaken for us. That would be, that'd be tough on them.
0: Yeah, yeah, it would be very tough on them, obviously. Uh, you know me, very successful stand-up comedian. I think I would be. I think I do a a, a, a tremendous job. Somewhere deep down in my heart, I do want to try stand-up comedy at some point in my life, and uh, I just don't. I don't have quite the life experience or material yet, but maybe I'll get there someday. Who who knows? Or of a courage to get up on stage, which is weird. I like talking to people, and public speaking doesn't really freak me out. But the idea of like going up on a stage to like perform comedy. Kind of uh sends me into a panic attack. Uh but um
1: it's probably because you don't have your your stuff written out, which you know yeah not yeah,
0: like yeah, I've yeah. been
1: writing my stand-up routine for the last 15 years trying to give you advice about how it should work. But uh no, I'm right there with you. I think that's part of why we like to do this, right? We like to talk and we like to have share our opinions and uh be entertaining. Um I think stand-up is incredibly hard to do if you want to do it as a job, but and I tell you what. Not a bad thing to just step up there and get out of your comfort zone and crash and burn, maybe, or uh who knows.
0: Yeah, maybe before I'm 30. Before yeah. I'm 30. What's we'll a good
1: bucket list item?
0: Before I'm 30. It gives me six gives me six years to get 10 minutes. Uh you but, ready for an icebreaker? Yes, but I did I want to run these names by you. Okay. Right. And then and then I'll I'll let us get to se- I know your brain's broken. It's like we gotta get to the segment. Don't don't worry, Brian. No one's listening to this. I'll this is it. just this is just me and you chatting and uh and uh whoever stumbles upon this in the universe, they're they're you know thank you for listening and you know I hope you have a nice day. Um I came down on, on this and I thought this was pretty good. And I thought I could get like maybe a logo with like kind of a radio show type type thing, because like this could just be be, you know. The Eric Jensen, Brian Brown, like radio show. And I was thinking, I, I think I've got it. The blogger and the bear. <laughs> I kind of like it. it. it's it's a little it's a little kitschy, which is good. All radio show names need to be a little bit kitschy. And uh, you know, I, I think I am at heart an internet blogger and someone who lives on Twitter and likes to write on the internet and podcasts and does all this stuff, and uh, you are the brown bear. So, I, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense to have the blogger and the bear, unless you have any better ideas off the top of your head.
1: I mean, we tried to work through an idea on on the Football Breakdowns feed, and uh, I, I still don't know if I love the idea that I settled on over there. So, uh, I think this is as good as anything. And, uh, like you said, to the point, Kind of a little like, I, I think you said the use the word kitschy. Was that the word you used? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. That's, that's the true mark of a writer right there is someone who uses those off the radar words that nobody else uses. <laughs> They're such great words. Uh, a personal memory of Andy Larson using the word kerfuffle in a uh, press conference once that, uh, I think everybody saw that when, well, uh, oh, uh, what's his, Steph Curry, Chef Curry. That's a word. So, uh, I do. Yeah. I I fully support that, man. I'm, I'm here for it. And, and more than anything, I'm just, I, I'm excited to do this tonight, especially because, um, you know, for so long, you do this kind of performance, right? Thinking that, um, Thinking that you have to entertain people and and more than anything i think you and i have had our some of my favorite conversations when it's just kind of us talking you know I, I think back to this summer and that was part of the fun of this summer for me was um kind of getting outside of our lane a little bit talking about things that we don't usually talk about i that conversation we had about music after you went to Lollapalooza will forever be one of my favorites i have nothing to do with sports definitely nothing to do with football so um, it's always good to just be reminded of the fact that really what podcasting started as is just a way for people to converse and, and invite people into those conversations.
0: I am ready for the icebreaker now, Brian. I I, I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your brain. I'm over here playing that...
1: with my crunch gum again, just like I, it was. I, I, damn, it, it really is
0: crunch gum. I mean, yeah. well, what a, what a shame. one of these
1: days we need to do one of these in person we'll figure that out too so um okay uh, two icebreakers for you uh the first so you can choose which one you want to answer or you can answer them both first one is if you created your own country what would it be called okay and then i lost the second one if you were sent back in time to a thousand years ago how would you prove that you're from the future So the first, Mm. if you had your own country, what would would it be called and why? The second, if you were sent back in time to a thousand years ago, so that would be one thousand twenty-three. Quick maths off the top of my head.
0: So, like, pre-Renaissance. Yeah, world history, one thousand twenty-three. I am a little bit of a history nerd, so I just need to read some. uh...
1: You just need to know your era.
0: I just need to see what era I'm working with here. Look back. At ten twenty three, Wikipedia. Let's see what's up here. Uh, okay, Wikipedia. Wikipedia Reading Club. This is always a good see. So when uh, let's see here the Europe. No births. I think this is wrong. I'm not sure if this Wikipedia page is gonna do what I want it to. What happened in ten twenty three? Here we go. Perfect. Okay. Except one. Oh, this is wild. Okay. Wild breeders of the internet moment. Uh on the website forumparadoxplaza.com. I was compiling a gigantic set of detailed historical notes into a huge database sorted by year. Every year from 1 AD until now, I have legions of events, not only in Europe, but Asia and elsewhere. Name a year and I can give you a list of at least half a dozen things of importance that happened, except one year, 1023. For some reason, 1023 has nothing, no political events, no wars or battles, No enevements or or notable appointments, no marriages, nor any significant deaths. I do have 1023 as a possible date of Papo of Alculee's seizure of the church at Grotto, but that is listed as an alternative of the most positive dates of 1022 or 1024. 1023 is very, very strangely empty in 2000 years of history that's the only one which for which nothing comes up so anybody know anything that happened in 1023 i almost wish you don't to allow me to say in 1023 for the first year and last time ever nothing happened that's crazy that's pretty crazy
1: so that's almost better than answering the question of of what you would do uh, yeah, yeah. Just tell like, yeah, nothing's going to happen this year.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, 1023, we can't find historical records. I mean, this guy on Paradox Plaza forum, like he's he's got it figured out, obviously. So I, I'm not going to question Internet Strangers research on things that look like discount Reddits. Those are <laughs> often where you find the best and most accurate information. Um, so I, I just uh, I, I would say. You know, Would you want to
1: know the 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 backstory as to why this person zeroed in on 1023 is as the year that they were diving deep into find out what happened or not?
0: Well, no they they said how they kind of came. They're cataloging everything from 1 yeah. AD to 2023 and they come to 1023 and there's just not a ton of major events that happen sometimes everyone everyone has an off year from time to time
1: i wonder how many years you could get done in a day, right like if you're cataloging that kind of stuff
0: yeah that would be that would be really interesting i'd be interested to see that guy's final project just because i do like history and stuff like that so you know it's it's interesting uh, that was a good icebreaker. The program. other
1: question of of what you would name your country and why?
0: Yeah, I, I have no good answer for that one. To be completely honest with you, um
1: so Eric Landia is off the table
0: then. Yeah, least. that sounds awful. Rickopolis potentially, but no, Rick-opolis. that sounds terrible as well. Uh, everything's kitschy and terrible.
1: Rickopolis, uh, and like it's not.
0: From, uh... And it's not a radio show; it's a country, so you don't want a kitschy name.
1: Yeah uh ricopolis sounds like a a city from futurama and i don't you might that might be outside your age you're you you probably didn't see a whole lot of futurama growing up did you
0: uh my brothers and dad got really into it at one point but futurama is one of the animated shows that just kind of passed me by and that Mm -hmm. i wasn't super into to be honest with you
1: yeah um I like I like I like Rickopolis. That's I I would I would go hang out in Rickopolis. With capital city, uh,
0: capital city of Rickopolis is uh I don't know Tulsa perfect Tulsa.
1: <laughs> go hurricane
0: yeah uh i, I beca- think i
1: know about tulsa so
0: yeah we can transition to now the football talk which is much to be discussed
1: things happen this weekend
0: huh things did happen this weekend and I, I i you know here we are we're four weeks through the season most teams play 12 games four divided by 12 is three we are one third way through the season so about the quarter mark quarter pull mark so i wanted to go through and just chat about the power five conferences and uh some takeaways from generally where things are at i have espn pulled up so we're just gonna go alphabetical order here we'll and i'll pick out some uh some decent games this week as well uh, let's start in the ACC, uh, a conference. I know very little about to be completely honest with you. Uh, Miami's on by this week. They seem like they could be a player within the conference. Uh, Florida state is also on by this week. So it is kind of a bunch of, uh, also rands almost isn't would be, would be kind. It's, it's been a bad year for the ACC, Brian. I mean, uh, Pittsburgh's one and three, Virginia Tech's one and three, Georgia Tech's two and two, Boston College is one and three, Virginia's 0 and four. Syracuse is having a good year. Go orange, 4 0. Oh. Uh, the biggest game of the week is Louisville, NC State. So I guess I just ask you here is there any reason to care about or watch VACC? This year, anything that really pops out to you, any of these teams that are non-Florida State slash Miami that are, are really uh, surprising to you? I guess you could be surprised at how bad Clemson's been, but uh, to be honest with you, I, I'm not, really.
1: Duke is a bit surprising, uh, mostly because I thought the reason that Duke was good for so long was David Cutcliffe, Cutcliffe leaves. They hire a new coach and Duke somehow manages to get better. So that kind of catches me a little bit off guard just because you don't really expect Duke. Uh, certainly Duke is Duke. And that's another old person throwback. Um, the old the coach way before, I think multiple coaches before Tony Bennett at Virginia had a quote that said, Certainly Duke is Duke. They're on TV more than leave it to Biva, reruns. That was one of those quotes that got played over and over again, listening to Jim Rome speaking of radio shows. Um, and I actually heard listen to Rome the other day for the first time in years, and it's just what a what a journey that show has taken. Um, but I, I think Duke being four and is is a very I think it's a pleasant surprise. Um, you know, I think the way they handle business uh against clemson was entertaining um other than that i mean i don't know that i see anything from the acc that makes me rethink anything that we talked about over over the summer right or or any of the preconceived notions going into it is it a very good conference not really i think it's a lot of good teams that are currently about to destroy each other in terms of uh losing out on the undefeateds because you look at it right now you've got florida state louisville duke north carolina miami syracuse all undefeated right uh virginia is 0 and four bless their hearts um you know, Wake forest being three and one that that's they lost sam hartman so you always kind of wonder how a program is going to survive that yeah they they won their out of conference games and then promptly lost their very first acc game so uh I don't know, man. Like, I don't think I don't see anything from that conference that's 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 got my radar up and, and telling me, oh my goodness, the ACC, what a surprise. Drake May is still Drake May. He threw a left-handed touchdown for hell's sakes or for heaven's sakes, I should say um, on uh, Saturday, which when you're right-handed, that's, that's an accomplishment. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> so uh, Florida State, doing Florida State kind of things and, and being really good, Not not that big of a surprise. Louisville, obviously undefeated with two conference wins is, you know, curious, interested with that one. But uh, I, I will flip the question back to you as more of a newcomer to college football. What, what do you expect when you think about the ACC? Is it just Miami, Florida state Clemson?
0: I think it's, I do always forget about UNC. UNC is 4-0. They do have a very good quarterback, and they do seem to have a solid team. So I I think Clemson is out of the picture, to me at least. Clemson has two losses. Clemson is favored on the road at Syracuse, but if Syracuse at home in the Terror Dome decides to go ahead and show up and play some good football which Syracuse is known to do at home from time to time wouldn't shock me at all if Clemson lost again i mean dabo on 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 saturday dabo coach scared i mean uh it was some of the most just like passive like very the opposite of aggressive was his play calling down the stretch in that fourth quarter I uh, I was truly unimpressed. I have I have come to really think that they, you know, you can't really fire Dabo because he's kind of the program at this point and you'd be starting over completely from scratch. But they, they are not competitive in this new world, uh, as, as we've kind of talked about with other coaches. They truly are just not competitive in this new world because they're not really keeping up with the way college football rosters are built and um yeah i i uh, i don't i don't see them as really part of the acc at all i'm really interested in miami i want to see how good they are potentially because so, they haven't back. really played anyone yet yeah and, but i'm interested well, to see how it, i, I I'm, I'm interested to, to see how they fare over the next uh, few weeks. I just want to pull up their schedule here. They're going to get tested. They've yes. got after Georgia tech, they've got North Carolinas and Clemson back to back. So if they can come out of that stretch three and Oh, you kind of look at Miami and you say, okay. And then you, you play a downbeaten Virginia team and a downbeaten NC state team. And then November 11th, you circle that date because that's Miami, Florida state. And that could very well be for kind of a conference and the the conferences heir to whoever might be competing for a college football playoff. So I, I, I uh, I am a big, uh, I am very interested to see how Miami fares these next few weeks.
1: Two things that popped in my head as you were talking about that one is the storyline for you in the ACC that Clemson is down bad. And that's kind of, you know to be expected and not sorry not to be expected but that's kind of the big headline like Clemson down bad other teams stepping forward um and the other question I had and maybe this one's a little bit better easier to answer is the interest in Miami where has that come from because they've not been good for a very very long time in fact I don't know really if they've been good in, in your lifetime in a lot of ways um at, at least not the way that they used to be because hmm. mm-hmm. i don't i mean i think there's a lot of people that are curious about miami but as someone who let me put it this way uh as someone who follows college football very closely i think there are unique and intriguing teams in the acc that maybe uh interest me more than miami right now um I think miami is the program that that everyone it's much like notre dame where there's a mystique to it and and people want it to be great because they want to feel those same kind of feelings they had i think people love a juggernaut for for some reason um and they love i think the other part too is is for whatever reason in this country we love to see something emerge and and become a goliath and then we'd love to take it down almost as soon as we possibly can and I'm sure we'll get to Colorado at some point, but um, <laughs> now I'm just thinking about our conversation man, about me being like a hipster or uh, what was the word that you used, um, where I, it's okay for me to like popular things. Um, and oh, now,
0: word, yeah, that's escaping Indy. me. But I, I probably yeah, yeah, I think what you what called me
1: is. indie or something like that, but. The whole reason that this pops into my head is because we're having this conversation about the ACC. You know, there's a program like NC State with Dave Doran where I'm really curious to see if that's a program that can ever push through into that upper upper tier, upper echelon that we always want to put Miami into. You mentioned Syracuse having a good season. Daniel Babers just keeps rolling out that, you know, that program into 3 and zero, four and 0 starts and, and really – solid years but like they're another one are they just gonna sit there forever in pittsburgh like we we got the uh i don't know it it comes back to there's so many different storylines for these and i'm always curious how everybody else sees it because i see it you know obviously in a different different light so i guess this leads me back to my question what about miami is it that intrigues you?
0: well uh Tyler Van Dyke is is a very interesting quarterback. Uh, I'm sure I just got his name wrong there. Um, but I think they have a quarterback and the defense is playing pretty well, but they, they really haven't played anyone yet. So I'm just interested to see what happens when they play real teams this year. Because last year, sometimes when that happened, it didn't go so well. And I do think Mario Cristobal to be a very good college football coach. So I'm interested to see What his teams look like this year We can move on from the ACC now No need to spend hours on that Uh, The Big 12 The Big 12 Big 12 is Weird man Some of these conferences are kind of weird One Several weird things About the Big 12 Uh, One Wow West Virginia is 3-1 and And we're going to find out This week if they're actually any good or not because they they play tcu but they've been pretty competitive in every game they've played this year ucf has started out extremely well the newcomers are playing pretty good football byus three one cincinnati and houston are two and two it's not like there are a bunch of nobodies entering this this conference as some oh, as my foot cramps oh my god what what a terrible moment uh for this podcast but um no i
1: or viral either one
0: yeah i just think oh god okay hold on i can't I believe that you started weeks?
1: off the big 12 and you went straight to west virginia and skipped over your jayhawks
0: oh well that's let's just get into come it on, then. Son. come on come on man. that's it that's dog, dog. N- nationally. I'm just going to say it right now. Nationally, this is a game of the week. This is a game of the week. Kansas, Texas. I mean, I hope we get it's not Fox. So we don't get Gus Johnson, which is a, a damn shame because, you know, Kansas, Texas it just, it just sounds sounds good in a Gus Johnson voice. Uh, but Kansas, Texas, Kansas, tough as hell up front. They're just tough as hell up front on both sides of the ball. uh, They have a killer quarterback, some nice weapons, a good running back. And Texas is getting 16 and a half points. I'm sorry, Brian. I'm going to bring some gambling in here. That is way too many points for Texas to be getting. There is no way my lock of the week, my mortal lock this week, might be that Kansas covers that. I don't think there's any chance in hell they get blown out. I think this is a very very close game incoming. I think they can block the Texas pass rush and I think they they can keep up with Quinn Ewers because they have a quarterback of similar talent on the other side. I am I am quite excited to watch Kansas Texas. It will be one of the main things I watch on Saturday.
1: Um it's on ABC, so I think the rest of the world's kind of with you on this one. Um, I guess my question for you is, upset potential with Kansas. Where do you feel it right now? Coming off a big win against BYU, and and I know BYU fans are probably licking their wounds a little bit after that one. But that was a an inspired effort on on the part of Kansas, but also a good BYU football team that Kansas beat. So it's not like it was just you know another day at the office for the Jayhawks. To get that big of a win right before you play Texas, I think it means something.
0: It does mean something. This game's in Austin. Texas just has a way of losing weird games in Austin, though. Like, to me... And
1: Kansas at that, right? Like Kansas has kind of been their bugaboo.
0: To me, I still believe this. Like, the Texas' backstretch where we determine whether Texas is truly back is the next two weeks because it's Kansas and then it's Oklahoma, both at home. If you split that series, you are decidedly not back. If you win both those games, you are pretty decidedly back and in the hunt for the college football playoff because the rest of the schedule looks like Houston, which should be an easy dub. They've outperformed. Dana's done a nice job, but I – i like texas the, the, oh god uh i like texas there now i have to go back and edit this um BYU, the next week kansas state still haven't watched them this year i i need to get way more into big 12 football i have found brian that i've been watching just a ton of Pac 12 football i need to watch <laughs> i need to watch way more big 12 football over the next few weeks to get a feel for some of these teams because I have no feel for Kansas State, no feel for TCU. Um, Iowa State's bad down year. Texas Tech is shockingly bad. So, I mean, Texas has a winnable schedule, as we've talked about, but this is these next four weeks are where the bugaboo could come. I would say their most losable games are Kansas, Oklahoma, and BYU, and all of them are at home. So that that would be where I stand on this upset probability. I think Kansas is in this thing till the very end. I think this is a dramatic game that ends in a crazy way somehow. I think I'd take Texas to win straight up, but I I, I think if I were the odds makers, I'd set this line closer to like Texas minus like six, six and a half. Because I think they might win by a touchdown, but I I, I think it could just turn into a shootout, which is what, what I think it might devolve into very quickly.
1: I think if it does turn into a shootout, I think it gets really dangerous for Kansas, simply because I think there's some serious horsepower there. I agree. side of things. Um, but I but
0: don't if, think I, I I don't think even in a shootout I don't think they get blown out. I think no, they No, no, no,
1: no. I think they're I, good
0: I think they go I think they go punch for punch but they just can't keep up and it's yeah. a very much last person who has the ball wins.
1: And if that's the case then that's that's a big statement for Kansas in terms of them being a program to line up yeah. back-to-back competitive affairs against very Good football teams um i think sometimes we underrate that kind of stuff because especially american society is so fixated on being the best and on wins right i i for sports like college football college basketball and and even football in general i think there's too much of a focus on whoever wins the super bowl uh here in in terms of like american focus like that's all that matters and it's I'm not going to divert this into spring football league conversation, but I think USFL, the XFL combining shows that there is not only appetite for alternative football leagues, but I think as as European-style football percolates the culture more and more, people are going to understand that it's okay to have competitive leagues. I think college football is the closest we have to European football, and that's part of, like you talk about it, like I need to watch more Big 12 football, I've been watching too much Pac-12 football. I think that's awesome. You know what i mean like that, that, that there are multiple leagues and multiple options now i i think the unique part about college football is it's almost all played on a saturday and it's all, all played in in the same same time slots and everything like it's always competing against each other right when you look at international football european football they space it out a little bit and you have more opportunity to sample from different regions and, and whatnot i don't know that football the actual sport ever gets to that point but that being said, I think the unique part about it for from Kansas's perspective is what's going to get overlooked is that that's a program that's really building some cool things, doing some cool things, right? Throwing some dual QB sets out there, which is really fun to watch. I think what they do in the run game is really entertaining. I mean, They're an entertaining, fun-to-watch football team. They, they throw stuff at the wall. If it sticks, it sticks. If not, whatever. Like, we're not scared. You know, and you contrast that with, say, Dabo and what they're doing and, and playing – you said, you know, playing scared. I think conservative is – how they would call it but i think usually when you don't have faith or confidence in your team that's how you play and um you know i think that for kansas like that's something that can be celebrated it's unique to me because the the discourse that we're having about colorado nationally can apply to a lot of teams right teams that have been successful and done good things but probably aren't going to make it to a college football playoff and so where does that leave kansas in this whole shenanigan right if they lose to texas everybody's gonna be like "Well, you know it's still kansas and that's kind of a bummer because there's cool things happening there but also i want a uh, metric during the game like you know the win prediction pretty uh whatever they call it probability meter that they put up there where you know probability of a win i want a is texas back probability
0: yeah metric. I, I like that percentage back.
1: Yeah. Yes, percentage,
0: uh, uh, percentage back. We'll see what what ends up uh, transpiring on that one. BYU. I want to talk about them really quick. I thought they did incredibly well against Kansas. Like I get that they lost. I, I get that it the score got kind of away from them at the end. But I thought it was very competitive. And if Keaton Slovis doesn't throw a backbreaking interception. They're probably in this game till the very end. I will say this though, but they've got to the, and uh, this is the, the talk of terrestrial radio around here this week. And Brian, I I, I kind of want to know your opinion. Cause I don't know if you've, you've seen a ton of it or not, but I'm sure you've, you've looked into it a little bit. What is up with, with that offensive line and the fact that they cannot get a run game going Uh. That, to me, has been the most shocking part about the BYU season. I kind of expected Keaton Slovis to be up and down. There are going to be games where he puts up crazy numbers. He will throw for 357 yards some weeks. He will throw for close to 400 other weeks because he is just a volume thrower. But putting the ball in his hands 51 times is not a recipe for this program to be successful. Uh, That number needs to look far more like 30, 35, And if you can't run the ball, that's going to be a problem. And everyone, you know, Aiden Robbins was a total bust that, that did not work out for them. LJ. Martin shows burst, but still, I mean, 11 carries for 28 yards last week. It's just not really there for him. Right. Right now, very talented offense. They have tons of weapons. I mean, Darius Lassiter, this kid has emerged as a weapon over the last two weeks, but Man, it it does seem like they they just have a real problem with the run game.
1: They do. Uh, When it comes to offensive lines, it's much like, oh, there's always a recipe for it, but it doesn't always turn out the same every time. And so you want to try and get the right talent and the right chemistry, but it seems like the this is one area where i think the transfer portal is showing it's really difficult to build a unit seeing it with colorado right now Shadur sanders is the most sacked quarterback in the country i believe if i'm not mistaken if he's not the most sacked he's close to it and so i think some of it, it goes up to the offensive line unit some of it is, is schematic right when you have different schemes and and you know i think you being a broncos fan maybe as aware of it as as anyone, um, where it's how do I phrase this? Every team has to have a system that they're built upon, right? So for right. Utah, for example, it's inside zone for a long time. For BYU, it's been that wide zone, stretch zone. There was a, uh, I believe it was a reporter for the Herald that called it slant blocking at one point in time on on Twitter, and and that may have been the day that I finally decided that I'd had enough of 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 twitter um or x however you want to call it so byu system is just not like like matching their system with the offensive lineman with the personnel for example i think lj martin's great but he is kind of the early version of of tyler algier in a lot of sense where you got to get him going downhill once he gets going directly downhill he's going to cause some disasters so you've got to find some ways to open up the 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 holes for him and make it easy for him to find his lanes and, and get going in the direction that he needs to go in the other part of it too is is i think that offensive line is is a little piecemeal in terms of how it's t- put together and as good a player as paul miley is you've got to have some real beasts next to him to help him move the ball because he's undersized and and he uh playing between his legs you know, with a hand between his legs as a center he's always going to be at a disadvantage and and I think center is probably the easiest position to hide guys at but it's also the the one that you need to have guys that fit your your system the best and, and I don't think Paul is a great wide zone player uh I think he's better on on the interior stuff I think he's much better in pass protection and and certain looks if you go head up on Paul Miley and I don't want to pick on one guy here because uh, I think it's across the board in a lot of respects. You saw Kingsley, Sumatia go down and and that hurts them a lot too. Uh, you know, the Etienne kid from, from Oklahoma State hasn't really panned out the way they thought it did. And they also lost two starters in the Barringtons that I think really would help them this year. So all that is to say, I... I think there's a lot of different aspects of it that they need to work on, right? You mentioned Aiden Robbins. Uh, part of why he was so successful at UNLV is because they did a lot of stuff inside the tackles that allowed him to slip into the middle and just kind of hit the hole and go. And so if you're going to be... Some of it is, is is personnel. Some of it is the lack of a, a running ability on Slovis's part that hurts Aiden Robbins. You know, Watching his tape, he's still a good running back. It's just... UNLV and LV did a great job of making it easy to get good looks and good blocks on, on the defense. And, and, you know, I think BYU right now is struggling to figure out what their identity is in the run game. And, and when you're doing that and, and trying to mix in personnel and everything else, it leads to exactly what you talked about where Slovis is throwing for 50 times a game. And, and regardless of how good a quarterback he is or how effective he is within the offense that just opens you up to more potential for disaster and i think that's really what you saw in that game was just you know like the pick six for example it's just one of those plays right where it bounces off a guy's hands and and there's not a whole lot you can do about it so that's a very long-winded answer of of saying i i I think there's a lot of problems with BYU's run game, and I think most of them are fixable, but it's just going to take some some pretty. You either need to make some personnel changes, or uh, you need to make some pretty big strides in terms of of how you're executing things. And I don't know that I could see those strides being made in one game. So.
0: Yeah, it'll not be as cleared as mud. No, it'll be interesting to see. Friday night's a big night here, man. Utah BYU same night. I I kind of kind of dig that. Uh, yeah. Got some got some things going on earlier in the evening, but I'm hoping to get home, throw those games on. Should be a good time good time to watch. You know, it's a, it's a it's a it's a nice little Friday. Can time to take Saturday off. Maybe just watch a few games. Go apple picking if you want to, you know, like do.
1: Is that your thing? You're an apple your picker? Fall stuff.
0: Uh, no, I'm not an apple picker. I just think I just thought of random fall Ball things but, that, that people could do. I'm a football guy. I I, I would, uh, you know, if you ask me, I'd like to say and watch football. And some weeks, you know, it hasn't been that way yet. But I'm getting to the point where this year I, I, I took a different strategy this year, Brian. My first year really not being involved with the media stuff as much. I started very slow, uh, and now I feel like I'm ready to get more involved. Like I let, the bad out of conference games like play out. Like and now that we're here in conference play, I know what I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch a big Pac-12 matchups. I'm gonna watch a big Big 12 matchups. I'll watch a big SEC rivalries. And uh, yeah, and we'll 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 have a nice time. And I'll watch when the three uh three big teams of a big 10 play each other and that we'll we'll have a wonderful time that way we can move to the big 10 really quickly. Yeah, let's do it.
1: And, uh, I do want to, I do want to swing back to one thing real quick that it is a shame that the PAC 12 is ending, but also we're likely losing the PAC 12 networks because one of the best ways to keep track of the PAC 12 is PAC 12 and 60. And that is watching all the games, uh, that you don't want to watch on a Saturday, on a Tuesday, or a Wednesday. And it's very, very handy uh, because you can get those Arizona versus Stanford games in in an hour and don't have to, you know, you can get your apple picking and your football watching it on a Saturday.
0: Oh, that's nice. It is a good place to have. We're pro tape. Bob away,
1: my friend. Bob Bob away.
0: We're we're, we're pro tape. Um, Okay. Big 10. Kind of boring, to be honest with you. Really boring. That is their brand, yeah. If we're being super honest with you. Uh, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, sorry. Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. That's it. That's the only teams that really matter here. I'll throw in Maryland because Maryland has been fun and spicy, and they'll get their first real test next week when they play Ohio State at the Horseshoe that is a game I am very much looking forward to keeping tabs on other than that conference is just mid very mid I mean Nebraska's down Minnesota's down Northwestern's down uh, Indiana's down Illinois's down Purdue's down like is he I guess you you could talk yourself into Iowa if you're really into watching boring football, Uh, but I mean, I'm a Utah fan, so I don't need to watch uh, Utah twice. You know, like I can, I can survive watching a defense smother an offense and, and not have an offense for one game, but I can't do it for two, Brian. I just can't. Um, I'm going to ask you a question about some, a program I know nothing about, but I think it's just funny that they exist in general. They are three and one. What's up with Rutgers these days? Oh, what's man. your yes. what are your thoughts on Rutgers these days, man?
1: We're just dragging Rutgers into the nation's consciousness. It, we're going to force Rutgers down your throat, baby. Yeah. Well, what do make, What do you think? What do you think's up at Rutgers, Rutgers right Rutgers. now?
0: Tell me what's up at
1: Rutgers right now, man. <laughs> I think Rutgers is is the perfect encapsulation of what's right and wrong with this sport. Right, like like Rutgers is that team that got dragged into everything to being a have, because supposedly it's in the right geographic part of the country for TV markets, and I think it's incredible that Rutgers has now turned it around a little bit and they're three and one and they pose this potential for upset in terms of, uh, like I don't really believe that Rutgers is going to run the table in in the Big Ten and and you talk about the Big Ten being boring. Like the big 10 knows who it is. It is Michigan. It is Ohio state. It is Penn state. And, you know, sorry, I should say Michigan and Ohio state up here, the top tier. And then it is Penn state and whoever else wants to try to fight to be with Penn state. And then it is everybody else. And it is Iowa being absolutely terrible at offense as we saw on Saturday, right? Like, like the credit to the big 10, like if the big 10 were in therapy, it would be the patient most likely to graduate with honors right now, because it knows exactly who it is. And it sticks to its brand. It's very boring. And I've said for years that the PAC 12 is way more entertaining of a conference. Now, all of a sudden that it's like good. And everybody's consciousness, everybody's paying attention and watching. And listen, I don't know. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to step out of my lane and say, yeah, I like the football and the, Pac-12 has always been this good. I think it's better now than it's ever been, but this is this is this baby steps of of life after COVID in, in essence for the Pac-12 where they're finally back on track after only playing five games in 2020. And it just wasn't enough time or or players. There was so much going on in the Pac-12 that it just, it really lost a lot of steam and momentum and development in that stretch. And so now in 2023, it's back to where it, 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 really should have been two years ago um and all this is to say that rutgers is kind of like now all of a sudden this program that every points at that nobody wants to watch right nobody wants to play rutgers they are now three in the one three in one and they're also the team that was shoved into all this because tv executives decided that that was the biggest tv market that people needed to have added to this pie and so it's just, it's astonishing to me because I think, what to think about Rutgers? I mean, Greg Schiano and Rutgers are just made for each other. Uh, that, that has to be the, the over uh, uh, over overarching answer to that one, you know, where it's just like, he is just, I don't think people really like Greg Schiano, and I don't think people really like Rutgers and I think that fits him perfectly. And so now Rutgers is going to be that table, that team that just tries to run the table and they're not going to. They, they, they just don't have enough but uh darn it they're gonna make a fuss and bother everybody and and start to try and point the finger at, at people who are saying like nobody wants to watch rutgers and they're like all right well guess what you're gonna have to watch us do this anyways so i don't know if that's in a conundrum wrapped in an enigm- enigma i don't know why i'm having such a hard time saying enigma but uh it, it's just that's it, this season of college football is is far and away my favorite so far because, one, Dion made it okay for all the coaches to trash-talk each other and get away with it. Two, you have Rutgers, who's been basically crapped on for the entirety of the offseason, suddenly popping up and being like, hey, you have to watch us. We're a part of it, so we're going to be good about it now suddenly. And I don't know, man. Uh, that's my thoughts on the Big Ten.
0: Okay. That's all I really needed on the Big Ten, man.
1: When you I'm hear a- Rutgers, because I think this is this is the part that's always fascinating to me. You're you're more of a newcomer to the national What like does Rutgers tickle your fancy at all? I know you're more of a uh, more of a I don't want to say trends guy, but like I think you would I be mistaken in saying that you like the big powerhouse programs a little bit more.
0: Yeah, a little bit.
1: Yeah, but like like Texas being back is a good thing to you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Texas. Texas being back is good because it's funnier when they lose. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm rooting for Texas heartbreak ultimately, but I want it to get as good as possible for for them before it gets bad. Like I was talking with someone about this the other day and they were like, oh, I can't stand it. I, I you know, I hate Texas. I hope they lose every week. And I, 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 I just thought to myself, like, wouldn't you want Texas to like win all the way up to the national championship and then just get absolutely smoked by Georgia. And it was like, Oh, they never even belonged in the conversation as one of the top teams in the nation. They are just playing a completely different sport than teams like Georgia and Michigan and Ohio state. I think that is the funniest outcome and the most heartbreaking for Texas fans. So that is what I'm rooting for. So that, that, that's my opinion on Texas. Did it's I mention on the psychopath?
1: No, no, no. I mean, I I think that's very reasonable. And I think it's we all root for our own version of chaos and, and entertainment. And yours just happens to include Texas fans being sad, which you know what? Like I don't really I don't know that there's a ton of people out there that have a ton of empathy for Texas fans. So you, you probably have some you know, some company in that one. Uh I do think it's interesting that we got to Texas from talking about Rutgers, but I think really that just Kind of tells a story with Rutgers. Is it's the program that nobody really seems to care about, but TV executives, and now suddenly they're trying to force their way in the conversation to be relevant. And who knows if they will be? I mean, that's we'll crazy to me. I mean, they got Wagner this week, so do the most Rutgers thing possible and lose to Rat Wagner, that would be incredible. Do we? What other conferences do we have to talk about? Do we? Even well, need to talk about the Pac-12.
0: We will get to the Pac-12. <laughs> I will just very quickly. I know you're going to laugh at me. I just want to make quick comments on the Mountain West. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. The Mountain West is so down this year. Uh, It is so down this year. Boise State sucks. Hawaii sucks. Uh, UNLV might not suck. New Mexico sucks. Wyoming might not suck. Colorado State sucks. San Diego State sucks. Arizona probably very good. Nevada sucks. Fresno State very good. There are. It's just a. It's just a mess. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be sloppy. It's gonna be terrible football. Late at night when I want to go to bed, but I just have to stay up and watch what's happening in Logan. And uh, yeah, I I'm I'm just I'm just I am a sicko. I'm a west sicko. I just I just like it. Uh, let, let me ask you this question. Ryan at what point in time am I allowed to say Blake Anderson might not be a great football coach? Because it's been three three years of this. He's had one really successful year where they won a bunch of fluky games and ended up winning the championship game by dominating San Diego State. That was by far the best coaching job he's ever done. But after that, it's been a lot of the guys he's brought in and recruited haven't been very good. Cooper Lagai got benched. The team yeah, has always
1: been. Uh, he's that dude, huh?
0: Yeah, we'll see. That's uh,
1: fine. Like we don't want to get into that too much. We'll,
0: we'll see, but two things are true about 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 this team under Blake Anderson. They have always had a dreadful defense that has never really kept them in games, and two, they've always had just a tendency to shoot themselves in the foot. I I bet if you looked it up, they're the most penalized team in the Mountain West over the past three years. They are just not a disciplined football team. And that starts with Blake Anderson. Sometimes he throws temper tantrums on the sidelines and picks up flags himself. Like, at what point do we stop saying, well, this Utah State team's undisciplined? Because this is about the third year in a row that I've caught myself saying that. And at that point, you kind of have to wonder, like, okay, They're always undisciplined. Like, why is that? And to me, that screams like, oh, you don't have a very good coach that's very good at like, he might be a a fantastic schemer and a great play caller, but like these guys don't play with their emotions in check ever. They're a very up and down team as evidenced by the fact that some weeks they'll come out in flat. To Air Force and get absolutely pummeled, and then the next week they'll get hyped up and ready to go, but they'll kind of sleep, go to sleep a little bit early, and then they get pummeled by James Madison more or less. That score, that, that score is not as close as that game was. They were getting blown out in the first half.
1: Yeah, it took it, a tremendous it, like brain fart on the part of James Madison and, and a valiant comeback on the part of the Aggies to get it that close. In 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 fairness to the Aggies, and it's also-
0: just like. Okay, at what point do we just admit that maybe it's not that they're a G five team in a crazy conference? Maybe they just have a roller coaster coach, so they're just a roller coaster team. Because I don't think they're gonna finish terribly. It wouldn't shock me if they made a bowl game, but they're winning three right now, and that's not very good for who they've played. And like call me crazy, but I won't be shocked if they if they lose to UConn this week. Like oh
1: no, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I think you took UConn's uconn as a program i think has a better idea of who they are than utah state does
0: right so and i think
1: that goes back i, to I don't know i
0: just I, I just kind of wonder every year i kind of think like oh like what's going on but like when does it start to be fair to like ask a, a, about a coach and say man this guy like he, he's kind of he's kind of all over the place
1: well I, I think some of it just depends on who it is that you're asking that question of and i think the unique part about Blake Anderson, I don't th- – his tenure at Utah State has not been without lots of drama. I'll just put it that way and, and on and off the field, right? Changing your boss, changing your your university president, a lot of transition in that regards and, and a lot of off-field stuff. Personally for him, as a team, there's so much that you could get into that, that I think eventually it builds up. And I think for what was such a good, positive story initially – it's lost a lot of its luster for him up in Logan, number one, number two. I don't know that Blake Anderson was ever a Logan forever kind of a guy. Um, you know, and and it seems like, I believe it was the previous AD was John Hartwell, right? Is that is that, am I misremembering that?
0: Anyways, it doesn't matter. John um, Hartwell, yes. Yeah. Yes, John Hartwell.
1: Yeah. Um, I, Hartwell was always kind of a unique hire in, in the sense that he was not, he was not a uh, Utahn in in essence. He's not from the Rocky Mountains, so I think he came in from from the South and brought a lot of that with him as an athletic director. I think it's part of what why Blake Anderson ended up there. And so I don't think it's crazy to want to hit a reset button on on Utah State in that program. And now that you have your university president and your athletic director set, I wouldn't be surprised if he. Uh, if he made a change, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there were, uh, you know, conversations about that already. If he kind of knew that this was his last year to really audition for a job somewhere, I think the turnover on his staff is very indicative of that. People jumping ship left and right. Um, the fact that he took over play calling duties. I think there's a lot of things that that lead me to think maybe he doesn't want to be a head coach anymore. And uh, I think that. Everybody thinks they want to be the uh everybody thinks they want to be the king until they have to do all the king stuff, right? And then all of a sudden that job doesn't look as promising. It's not as fun. And I think you bring up some good points with the discipline. The other thing too is good teams have a brand or or a culture or an identity, however you whatever word you want to use to describe it, how would you what what's Utah State's identity right now? What are they good at? What do they lay their what are they where do they hang their hats on?
0: Yeah, that's been hard to identify over right? the past few years. Because with Logan, with Logan, with Logan, with Logan Bond, the, the magic Logan Bonner year, it was an air raid offense. That's what it was. It was an air raid offense that was extremely efficient at passing the ball. And they kind of haven't really you see that for like quarters at a time, but they don't really put it together for full games all the time. And we'll see what happens with McKay Hill said. I worry about McKay Hill said, I don't have anything bad to say about him because he hasn't really performed badly yet. But one thing I worry about with him, Brian, and I know you're familiar with him as a, as a Utah high school kid. He is just so small. Yep. And, and like that offensive line is just always so bad. Like, I don't think he's going to make it, to be completely honest with you. He is very small, very slight of frame, and I don't know if he can take the hits, to be honest with you.
1: And that was the reason why he ended up at Utah State, not somewhere else. It was always a question of durability, and he got injured during his senior year too. So his style of play, very Riley Nelson-esque to to connect him to a, a program beloved program icon i guess i don't know maybe he's not as beloved because he went to BOU after after a few years but um uh i think all that's valid and i wouldn't disagree with you one single bit in terms of being concerned about the the fragility that said he's gonna mature and he's gonna he's gonna grow a little bit more i think the bigger thing is that we're starting to see that offensive line play good offensive line play is so 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 valuable Yep. I mean, I know you watch a ton of the NFL. I watch a ton of the NFL, and man, there's not a lot of good offensive line play going on right there. Nope. It is chaos. I would not want to be a, well. I would want to be a quarterback. That's stupid, but no, I, it's just it's it's so valuable to have good offensive line play, and and if you don't have it, you got to either have a really durable quarterback or have some sort of an escape plan. And I think, but that that goes back to the same problem that Utah State's had, right? You're losing guys to, to BYU. I think two of your best players, I shouldn't say two best. AJ Von Pachong, one of their best defensive players, goes to BYU. Uh, you lose uh, Lapuahu, one of your best offensive linemen, to BYU. So when you become that breeding ground for the next team up, then don't have anything underneath to replace it. And you try to go fix those holes through the portal. It's just a problem. And I think if high school talent in this state's good enough to where if you're Utah state, you shouldn't have to go dip in the portal all the time, the way that they do to replace, replace players. So we could go for, there's probably a lot more to it in terms of scheme and, and lack of defensive identity. I, I don't think a program that's so laden with talented defensive players should be as porous on defense as they are, but it is what it is.
0: Yeah. All right. The pack 12 and then we can get out of here. Um, one. Wow. Really great. Wonderful job, guys. Let's clap it up for the Pac-12. You put basically all your premier teams uh, behind a paywall, more or less, this week. Really great job. oregon Stanford will be almost unwatchable. Washington-Arizona, that should be a late-night ESPN game, no doubt. But instead, it is on the horrid Pac-12 network. I'm kind of glad this thing's over, to be completely honest with you. It's a, it's going to be a fun ride this year, but it is incredibly hard to watch these games. It's stupid that they thought they, they had a product where they could just have their own network and not talk with people that actually make media deals, which is a, a funny way to run an athletics conference. We don't have to get into that, though. I just needed to say that because it is ridiculous over the next few weeks how many good games are going to be on the Pac-12 network. Um, Utah. I want to talk about Utah because this is where I get worried, Brian, to be honest with you as a Utah fan, is this week. I think this is a week where the magic runs out a little bit and the defense could remain great. They could totally stymie Oregon, but this is maybe the best offensive line in the conference, maybe the best run game in the conference, pretty good quarterback in D.J. Uyonglele. And Utah, if Cam Rising doesn't play, which I'll be honest, I haven't seen any reporting, but I'd be shocked if he played. This feels like where it, it, they kind of get punched in the face and it's like, oh, yeah, if we if we want to compete for this thing, we've got to figure out how to have a real offense. And that's nothing against Nate Johnson. He just hasn't played a lot of quarterback. And Cal Whittingham's playing playing it safe because he doesn't want to put his defense in bad spots, which is totally fair. But this is an offensive conference this year uh, dominated by quarterback play. And if, if you don't have a stud quarterback, you're just not going to remain very competitive. And if if Cam rising's not back within the next one to two weeks, I worry about how competitive they're going to be in in this conference. I'm starting to get a little bit spooked. And I'm pretty spooked about Brand Keithy stuff too. Like, there's no information on him ever. Like, is he even going to play again? Like it it's it's just I don't like the vibes. They're 4-0. It's incredible that they're 4 0. I want to give them their flowers. I'm so happy that they 4-0. I'm a Utah fan. I like it when they win. But, man, I just – I wanted more this season, and it feels like the injuries are going to prevent us from getting to that more status.
1: Utah is a program that's built on – so there's a lot that you can break down in that. For one, I think – I don't even. we'll start with Utah and then I'll work my way through it. You're not wrong about the PAC 12, but I think this is the problem with media and and media consumption today, just across the board. Right. Like I just want to go somewhere where everything that I want to watch is easily, easily acceptable, uh, accessible. Right. And you have so many things that are, I I, I don't know what I need. Uh, Again, this is where it gets so frustrating being a fan of college football. I don't know what service I need to watch. Mountain West football. I found out uh almost by happenstance that uh the Utah State game was on local television. And then there's not like a this is where it gets super frustrating. I, like, why can't we just organize all this into one package? Why can't I just buy something to where it's like Sunday ticket and, and college football is just all there? Uh my own complaints aside from that one, Utah is a program that's built on execution. This is a program that's built on being uh, precise. They want you to execute at a high level. And when you you introduce young players into that circumstance and that situation, and they're not up to the level of execution that you pride yourself on, and not just young players, but also backups and everything else, I think you kind of get what you see with this Utah team right now, where it's, they're getting the job done, but eventually it's gonna catch up to them. You mentioned the Brand Keith thing. I think the, the bigger concern is that there's not a single player on the roster right now outside of Devon Vale that, that returns with with more catches um, than everybody who left or or isn't playing right now. So I mean like when you look at it from that perspective, I think five of your top six pass catchers don't even aren't aren't even really playing right right now, whether it's Vele being hurt or Keithy being hurt or whoever it is. And so you've got to find ways to make it easier on those young kids or those inexperienced starters, and they don't do a very good job of that. And that's, I think, a lot of what you're, what you're seeing is being personified in, in how, how they execute schemes and everything like that. And so I'll be curious to see if, uh, regardless of when Cam Rising comes back, I don't know that he's the the, the fix-all for – the entire team, you know what I mean. You're still like you're you're leading receivers right now are Mikey Matthews and Money Parks, and Money Parks has ten receptions. Mikey has twelve. If you put that up against the conference, that's number thirty six in the Pac twelve. Let your me. Highest, your highest receiver is ranked thirty sixth in the Pac twelve.
0: Yeah, that's not great.
1: Not great, Bob.
0: I I will say this.
1: And no think, running game
0: to go with it, right? I yeah, think that's the that is that is the big problem. That's why it's different this year, because usually that is the case. Usually they don't have wide receivers that can play at a high level for some reason, even though people say, oh, you know, watch the tape, great route runner, this, that, and the other thing. They just don't give the ball to their wide receivers. That's just part of who Utah is as a program. The concerning part is they have no running game. They do have no running game. And whether that I'm not sure what that is. I feel like the offensive line has been pretty good through four weeks. So I'm not sure who's to blame there. Jalen Glover does seem to get better every week that he plays, but they just don't have any depth. Jaquindon Jackson not being able to cut right now is a problem. He's probably got a high ankle sprain. That is probably going to be bad for him. He's going to have to play because they're physically out of bodies at this point. But like, he can't cut. And and that's kind of important to, if you're a running back. I, I kind of disagree. I think the passing game will work when Cam Rising gets back because I do believe that guys like Mikey Matthews just have talent. Like, Mikey Matthews, you mentioned him and I saw him show up big time on, on Saturday, Landon King. Like, they do have some guys on offense. Like, Money Parks is still there. Like, they have some guys. They just they don't have a quarterback that has experience
1: better ways to get those guys involved. Right. And I think that the the statistics that I look at are passes at the line of scrimmage, right? So easy like swing passes, little wide receiver screen passes, those easy completions that help a quarterback get that completion rate or completion percentage up. Utah has a 0%. like, Like they're, they average five and a half yards down the field. Um, in terms of where their passes are are completed, so that means they're not throwing anything at the line of scrimmage. They're not giving those guys any opportunities to you know, make a move or or be you know, be explosive or, or make a play. Right, it's all designed within the offense. And you mentioned Landon King. They like Landon King a lot, but Kyle Whittingham said he needs to get he needs to get bigger. Well, you don't have time for Landon King to to gain twenty or thirty pounds. So find some ways to get him involved. Right. You know, whether it's some back shoulder fades, whatever it is that that you want to try to do with him to get him involved in the offense. I think Utah has been very, I don't want to say vanilla, but they've just stuck to the core of who they are. And right now, the personnel is just not good enough to do all that effectively the way they want it done. And I think part of it's Nate Johnson. Uh, I think part of it is that they don't use tempo at all. And they need to use tempo at some point in time to get some separation to create some some energy for that offense it's just it's just really hard for wide receivers to stay involved when they don't have anything to really get involved in other than blocking and and i i say that not to be disrespectful but it's just kind of the truth like 70 percent of their play calls on saturday were run plays and and you're spot on even though we can't find the pack 12 the pack 12 is out there with offensive explosions i mean washington holy cow they're scoring touchdowns every other possession and you can't keep up with that if, if you're just going to be running for two and three yard chunks you've got to find some ways to be more explosive in the offense you've got to find some ways to create some uh some confidence in some of these guys so that they can go out and and do some things to make them feel better about their play especially some of the new incomer guys and that's i think we'll see what happens i think oregon state on the road's a big test for this team We'll see if on a shortish week, too, you mentioned it's on a Friday. I don't think Utah's going to
0: win that game, do you? No, I think it's almost a guaranteed loss, to be completely honest with you. That's where I'm at.
1: And if that's the case, then the the silly side of me says, well, that's going to be the game where Kyle Whittingham comes out and they hang 50 on, you know what I mean? Where it's a back against the wall, everybody's doubting us, there's nobody better than Kyle Whittingham in those moments, right? So I, I I don't like I'm going to stick to my my thought process on this, like where Oregon State's not playing amazing, but offensively, they look better in the run game than Utah does. And I don't think Utah's offensive line is, is looked that impressive to me. In fact, they've looked pretty, pretty average to below average, which is surprising because there's plenty of talent in that unit. I think some of it is that they've got to get some things figured out positionally. And I think if guys are not cutting it at the positions that they're playing you've got to make some moves and figure something out but it's just not not as crisp it's not of there's they're not getting as much movement especially from the interior as they were last year and and you know, i think they're missing like the 12 of their run plays are or have missed assignments or missed blocks and that is awful so yeah no great uh, I don't know if that really correlates much to the Pac-12 other than Pac-12 good I mean, Pac-12 like... Pac-12, good.
0: good I feel like I mean, we can 19... wrap this up now uh, don't want it to go much more than an hour and a half which we, we've done a lot but this was a good introductory episode I will ask you this USC Colorado here's what I, I have to say about this game I think this is a tremendous test for USC's defense Is USC's defense actually any good? Because if they are any good, they will terrorize Shadur Sanders because as we have been pointing out throughout the offseason, Colorado just doesn't really have the dogs up front to protect against above average pass rushes. And they've played an elite one in Oregon and I think this is just a good test for USC. I think they'll win this game. But if Colorado can protect against USC, I think there are major red flags there where it's like, Oh, we don't have a defense again. And, and that, that's, that's something I'll be interested to keep an eye on Saturday morning.
1: I, so I think it's unique because this is, this is the PAC 12 networks game. That's going to throw everybody off where all these people that are on board watching Colorado and Dion are going to be like, Hey, where the hell are the bus today? Um, the unique part about USC is I think they do have some guys who can rush the passer, but it's the overall defense that's the problem. The The discipline, the tackling, the, that's the stuff where I think they're not as good defensively as Oregon is right now. I'll, I'll put it that way, and, and I would argue that UCLA is up there with Oregon and Utah is, is one of the best defenses, defenses in the conference, and I think where... USC just becomes overwhelming is Caleb Williams. And you just, the, the demoralizing effect of his play, when I mean, you saw Arizona state hanging in there and, and if it, it, If he's not one of your most favorite players in the pac 12 right now, check your polls. Cause he's, he's an awesome player. And, and he had a Heisman level game against USC punted through a touchdown, caught a touchdown, ran for a touchdown. Like that dude was everywhere on Saturday. But it still didn't matter because USC has Caleb Williams who runs around for 15 seconds back there and finds Brendan Rice in the corner of the end zone and teardrop passes, and you're just like, this is not human. And uh, I think Caleb Williams is just such a demoralizing presence out there that, you know, I. and the other thing too is Colorado's got straight whooped. And I'm really curious to see how they come back from a really, really bad loss, especially one where they kind of got outed as being – I don't want to say chumps but like they love to talk and that is a lot of where their energy and their 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 attitude comes from and for as much talking as they did to to be shut down like that and to sent home uh i know i know dion called it hot garbage um but they they definitely got sent home with their tails between their legs and so i don't know man it's it's they're in dangerous territory in the sense of like they've really got to come out and perform against usc and not just for the sake of clicks or whatever else, all that off the field stuff for them as a program, them as a team, it's kind of a critical juncture. You've got to bounce back and you've got to, like you talked about, you've got to establish something at the line of scrimmage. I know that everybody's talking about how you just don't have the dudes, but you got to do something. You know what I mean? Whether it's uh, I, I, at this point, I don't think you want to make any two drastic schematics, but you just got to play better. And and sometimes that's a very simple solution. It's just about doing, doing your job better you know, in the week of practice, preparing, watching film, all that kind of stuff. It's just about doing your job better than you've done it before. And I think for Colorado, that's, it's going to be a big make or break game despite, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I know that the, uh, the, the knock on USC's defense is that it's not very good, but they lead the conference in sacks at 16. Um, they're averaging four sacks a game. They have over 108 sack yards, so they're getting to the quarterback. I mean, Utah's actually third with 14, which is I mean, it's kind of a surprise to think of it that way. Uh, I think where they're kind of lacking defenses is probably just in turnovers. I don't think they're turning the ball over as much as other teams are, but um, yeah. So I mean, Well, I mean, they're okay in the turnover margins, but all that is to say that I, I think this is this is a bigger... I would phrase it this way. Is this a bigger game for Colorado or for USC? opinion
0: bigger game for USC okay I think because I think Colorado last week you found out what what we found out which was a uh, which is the healthy medium of Dion takes which is that in fact yes Dion is a good football coach he can coach up players and scheme well and compete at a power five level. But also Dion took over a really bad program that didn't have much in the trenches and that was going to get bullied by teams that were bigger, faster, and stronger, which Oregon, USC, Utah, those types of teams are. That said, Colorado's still got a good offense. If Colorado comes out and hangs in this game, they've got nothing to lose and they're going to be fine. If USC were to lose the this Colorado team after what happened to Oregon, USC's not making the college football playoffs. They're not. like, and, and that is the only goal for USC. USC's only goal this year is to make the college football playoff. That is their only goal. They have the best player in the nation and they want to compete for a national title. So it's a much bigger game for USC. Every game USC plays this year Again, no matter who it is, no matter who it's against Notre Dame, Utah, whoever, it's a bigger game for USC because they have the pressure of having to make the college football playoff or the season is a failure. Like, if you win the Pac 12 with one loss and you don't make the college football playoff, that's a failure for USC. And that's just the way it is.
1: I would not have looked at it from that perspective. I would look at it in terms of like your program where it's at and what the success rate of your season is. I think for this one, it, Colorado, it's a bigger, bigger game in the sense of like, this is a program that started off just rocket red hot. And now is kind of stumbled and sputtered. So interesting. I, I do kind of agree with you that every game is going to be bigger for USC just because the expectations are where they are. Uh, as I'm looking at some of the statistical stuff between this one, the one thing that stands out to me is the turnover margins and it's, In games where Colorado's been really successful, they've had a a pretty substantial edge. So uh, plus two against TCU, plus four against Nebraska, plus four against Colorado State. They were even, or excuse me, that's, yeah, sorry. Plus one against TCU, plus three against Nebraska, plus two against Colorado State, plus one against uh, Oregon in the turnover margin. So turnover margin-wise, they've got the best uh, plus minus in in the – In the conference right now whereas usc is plus four so colorado being plus seven usc being plus four it's going to come down to turnovers i think in this one and and it'll be that's something that usc struggled to do is create turnovers so i wonder you know like you made the made the point like it it, I, i believe you made the point that it should be closer than the spread says if turnovers are a problem for usc then yeah you're right i think it will be but who knows? Because none of us can watch the game, so it doesn't matter, anyways.
0: Uh, this is actually on Fox. Oh, that's right. So, so what am I thinking? What am I thinking? So this, so this, this one we, next we will we be it. Bet
1: that nobody knows where Colorado is going to be because they're on Pac-12.
0: Right. Uh, listen, man. I think it's incredible. I think I'm kind of one of my betting strategies this year is to just follow Colorado and bet on Colorado games because it's hard and fun to try to try and predict part of me really wants to go USC minus 21 and a half. But then the kind of indie part of my brain kicks in and, and says, man in the suit, keep your eyes on the board. Don't be a square. I think Colorado can stay within 21 points. I do. I think the offense will have some success. I think the offense will have some success against a bad team, and I think. The, the, I just don't think USC is as physically dominating as Oregon is. Huh? I think, I, I think, and I do not be able to take your Brian. I think, uh, I think Oregon might might just be the best team in the Pac-12. Like, I understand Washington's putting up big numbers, but like. Oregon's offense still performs pretty well with Bo And Dan Landing is a dog, man. Like, that defense looks like Georgia. They look like Georgia. Like, they play like Georgia, and they look like Georgia. And in a few years, in the Big Ten, when he has Big Ten recruits, they will be Georgia. Like, Oregon is on that trajectory right now. And I I think they, it is, it's, it's, it's a good time to be a Ducks fan. It
1: is a good time to be a Ducks fan. I don't think you're alone in that thought. I do think that although Washington has been so dominant, I think there are some people who think that Oregon is the more complete team, and uh, that game in two
0: weeks is going to be bad. Yeah, it'll be fun as hell, man. All right. With that, I'll let you go. Thank you all so much for listening. We will get this up on uh, one of the two podcast feeds tonight, and then I'll probably put it on the other one tomorrow. But until then, we will see you next time. Peace out.